Welcome to the Fearless 4 podcast. My name is Peter and joining me as always, the star, the superstar, the one and only, Neil Jones. How you going, Neil? I am well, thank you, Peter. With an introduction like that, uh, uh, walking on air. <laughs> so the, uh, we've got the Fearless 4 um, <coughs> Finishing off with uh, aliens coming, yes. so uh, it'll be interesting to, have to see how they go with no weapons on Earth to protect themselves and aliens coming. Exactly, and I must I must admit this would make a great movie if they ever got around to it. Uh, yes, <laughs> and I have to put my hand up and say. Um, I based this on, um, like, a, there was um, a, a short horror story, and and in this case it was The Monkey's Paw, and uh, it was in around the 1800s, and um, they found this monkey's paw, and um, uh, it came with three wishes. And for the first wish, they wished for a hundred pounds because that was big dickies in those days. Yeah. And at the end of the day, just knock on the door. Oh, we're sorry to tell you that uh, your son's been killed in a mine accident. You get a hundred pounds. Ah, okay. And then um, for the second wish, they said, um, we wish you would come back to us. And then at midnight, there was knocking on the door and shuffling outside, and they went, for our third wish, we wish for our son to go away. So they weren't quite prepared to let whatever was outside inside because they didn't think it was going to be good. Right, yeah, that makes sense. Actually, that sounds like a good story. Yes, uh, I'm pretty sure it's called The Monkey's Paw. And um, that's, that's where I base the, the the fact that the genies come out of the bottle. He's given them what they wish for. Unfortunately for the boys, he doesn't play fair. Yeah, and there is a catch to each each wish. Yes, and Thomas thought quickly, saying, "Well, if we've got a million dollars in dollar coins." It's going to weigh about 9,000 kilograms. We'll never be able to transport it. Yeah. So wish for it to be in their bank account. And as we said, the boys decided we can make the world safer by destroying all the weapons so that North Korea and Russia and China and the US, all places with nuclear weapons, it's not going to matter because no one's got them. And then the aliens come. And aliens come and they've got no weapons to fight with. No weapons to protect themselves. Yeah. That's an interesting thing, isn't it? I mean, to be in that position, I mean, obviously, 
it's fiction, you know, with a genie in that. But if you put yourself yep. in that position and the first two wishes have been used but ended up badly and yes. you've got the third wish, I won't spoil the, the story for those who haven't heard it yet, but what do you wish for? Yeah, yes. Interesting. Well, um, if you if you use your third wish um, to protect yourselves from the aliens, then that releases the genie, and who knows what he might decide to do. Exactly. Yes. And if you decide to um, let the aliens come and stop the genie, well. You know, they may be coming for a food source, as in us. Exactly. Yes, yes. It's a very interesting thing, and you'll have to wait till we, or till you listen to the rest of the story to find out how it plays out. Yes. But in the meantime, I have got some questions. Uh, Thank you. For, for me, it's very unusual because I actually did a bit of homework. And, uh, well, when I say homework, I pulled the iPad out and just typed in Google questions for authors. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, but I found one that's got, um, well, it's got 50 good questions, but a lot of them aren't really... Um, right for you insofar as, you know, um, they're more for authors that are uh, writing uh, big novels and yes. stuff like that. But anyway, but there are some good good questions here. Um, okay. So unlike earlier in the podcast, uh, our previous podcast when I gave you notice of what the questions are, this time uh. you don't know, so... It'll be interesting to see whether you can think fast enough to reply. Uh, yes, yes. Sending me the questions beforehand was was very good for me. Yeah, <laughs> I probably should have done do that for this, but I didn't do the homework soon enough. So. Oh, no, that's fine. Okay, that's fine. let's get going. First question: uh, Have you ever read a book that made you cry? Have I ever read a book that made me cry? Um, yes. Yes. Um, and, and it was a book about the First World War. Ah, oh, yes. And, um, uh, I can remember a part of it where the Turks had um, bombed the tent where all the wounded soldiers were in. And as the doctors and nurses ran to the um, tent to help people, um, they came across a guy who had both his legs blown off. And um, when they went to treat him, they said, uh, don't worry about me, Cobber. Um, go and look after the people that are really hurt. And, and I just thought, oh, that is just amazing courage. Yeah. It, it wasn't, you know, me, look after me. It was, well, no, there's, there's, there's people worse off than I am. You had your legs blown off, mate. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, yeah, so just, 
just the heroism of, of some of the um, the people that fought in the wars. Yeah, I would have to agree. I I have read lots of books on the First World War and the Second World War, and there have been lots of times when I've been at least close to tearing up anyway. And there was, um, excuse me, there is, uh, and I'm not going to say the name of the book, I will get it wrong, but um, after the First World War, so 1918, 1920, um, Victorian school children bought along any extra pennies, half pennies or whatever they had, and they raised a fund to build the schools that were demolished in a, a French village. And um, 100 years later, when we had that big massive fires that went through Victoria, um, the French children collected money and sent it over to Victoria to um, help build the schools. Oh, and I wow. thought, yeah, that's that's that is amazing. Yeah. And and in in true, true, um, <laughs> I guess giving the other team a free kicking goal, a kind of goal, <laughs> that um, they had uh, arranged for all these people to come out to Australia, so that they could see what their money had had bought for the schools, and the school was ready for them all to come. And no one had thought to get an interpreter. Oh. <laughs> they had all these little, in the, in the lousy speaking English and all these French people speaking uh, French, and neither of the two shall meet. <laughs> oh. oh, what a shame. Uh, I, I think I read that, um, you know, there were lots of, lots of smiles, lots of tears and, you know, here's the Lamington and, and scones and things like this. But, yeah, no interpreter. Uh, oh, dear. So there's, there's a long-winded answer to my first question, yeah. Okay. This one, I don't know whether it's you can answer it, but I'll ask it anyway. What is your writing kryptonite? Oh, it's the word that. That. That, yes. I will finish my um, first draft of my story, send it to my sister to do the editing, and when it comes back, she just crosses out the word that. All through my story. Oh, you overuse yeah. it. Oh, yes. Way, way overuse the word that. <laughs> so that, that is, uh, and I've gotten to the stage where the last couple of stories I would read it through and I'd look at, look at the word and I'd go, oh, I don't know if that's right or not. <laughs> I'll, <laughs> I'll take it out just in case. And nine times out of ten, she'll, she'll go, yeah, that's good. Take that out. So, yeah, the word that is my script tonight. Okay. Well, that's a good answer. I like that. Um, <laughs> do you think someone could be a writer if they don't feel emotions strongly? Oh, um, oh, oh, yeah. 
probably not. Uh, if you're not interested, then I think that would count against you. Yeah. Like if you if you if you're going into it without the passion, then um, you, you're probably not going to complete a story. Yeah. And uh, you would probably use every opportunity you could to do something else instead. Um, no, so I, I think you need passion and, and you need to, to go, I, I want to write this story, it's important to me. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think if if you don't have a passion, it's, it's hard to get um, into the into the story. You've yeah. got to you've got to be able to get into the characters and stuff. I'm talking like I'm a writer. I'm not a writer, but I'm a reader. Well, yeah, but if you don't have any passion for reading, you're not going to read any stories. Exactly. Yeah. It's like why sit and think when I can just put TV on and I'm good. Yeah, and it's like those people who who read the newspaper and that's their reading for the day. Yes. Yes. Always start with the back of the paper because that talks about man's achievements and yeah. work my way through the middle for the funnies and then when you got to the front pages, that was all of man's tragedies. Yeah. Well, I can remember as, as a kid, I, I, I did that. I, I read the, the back first for the sport, yeah. then to the comics and then handed the paper over to someone else because I (laughs) wasn't interested in anything else. And then gradually as you get a bit older, then you start to change things around a bit. You do, yes. And then you start to read about some of the things that are going on and and then it becomes scary. Yeah, and then you go to the sport (laughs) and the funnies. Okay, if you could tell your younger writing self anything, what would it be? Uh, okay. Um, the words will flow. Um, I, I think I've, I've said in the past that my first stories, oh, I know what I've wanted to say, but I haven't been able to say it to use the right words. And it's only been through perseverance and the stories, which are my early stories, which ran to about 3,000 words, I was able to go back, review them and get them up to four and a half, five thousand words. And uh, now if I sit down and write a story, uh, I could do a 10 to 15,000 word story, not a problem. But um, at the start, it, it was it was dire. It was yeah, no one's going to want to read this. And and I've also found um, the way to, I guess, pat out, embellish, so so that I don't just say um, thank you, Thomas. Instead, it would be um, Josh looked at Thomas shook him by the hand and said thanks mate I won't forget what you did for me so it, it adds to the story and um, yeah the words will come oh that's a good answer that's my advice okay uh, next up 
How did publishing your first book change your process of writing, or did it? No, didn't didn't really. Um, the book that we sent to get published, uh, it, it was lovely that it got put in my hands, that, that I got to see a book, because at that time um, we weren't really sure how long I had left, so to actually hold the book in my hand was a huge thing. Yeah. Um, that... Um, the publishers were a um, small unit and um, had, had arranged a hall for about 20 to 25 people to come and hear me talk about my book. And we ended up with about 100 people. Who wow. All, all wanted to come back and see their teacher and talk about the books and Grand, grandparents, oh, you remember um, when Zach did something back in 1995 and it's like, oh, 25 years ago. Oh, I probably don't remember. Smile and nod. And then the um, next publish, the, the were two books and... Um, same again, didn't seem to have prepared enough places for people. And, um, yeah, so, but I owe them thanks because it would not have happened, so I will always appreciate them for that. Yeah. But, but um, for the next compilation, um, Lynn has said, now, you know that by signing this, you're giving over your stories to this um, publisher. So he, he can change bits of the story, change endings, he can do things that he wants, that he thinks will, will sell books. And I have to be prepared to go, oh, that's a good idea, <laughs> whether yeah. I like it or not. Yeah. But... I, I have confidence. Um, he spoke to us on a Zoom meeting and, and then was impressed in that he said, look, I think we'll, we'll start to uh, finish up because um, he could see that I was starting to flag. Just a moment. Sorry. Mm-hmm. You're fine. Okay. Okay. Um yeah, yeah. Uh, that's oh, good. Starting to get tired, and, and he recognised it and said, "That sounds pretty good. We'll, we'll stop it there." Oh, that's good. So, feel I'm feel I'm in good hands. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Um, oh, here's a good one. Um, what was an early experience where you learned that language had power? These are good questions. Yeah. Um, I think in some of the stories, um, I've been able to um, show the boys mateship, that that it's like we're in this together, we, we work together as a team. And, and some of the things that they get themselves into um, 
work better when they work together to get out of those problems. I don't know if that answers your question properly, but... Um, no, that's good. There have been times in the stories that I've written where I've been able to put things in and um, oh, there's one story I wrote and um, Zach does the wrong thing and um, he, he bounces on a tree limb across a chasm and by the time Thomas gets to it, it starts to crack because he weighs a bit more than um, Zach did. And so he hustles as quickly as he could to get across the edge and just as he starts to fall, uh, a hand grabs him and it's um, Zach's hand and, and Zach says, I've got you, mate. And behind him, the other boys are holding each other's legs <laughs> like a chain to make sure that Thomas doesn't fall to the bottom. Oh, good. And, and when I wrote that, I thought, yeah, that, that, that's that's you know, I, I've got the mate. Yeah, I like that one. Yeah, oh, it's good. Um, now, I think I may have asked a similar question before, but I'll ask this one again. Um, some of the books you have written, uh, instead of the boys, you have the girls in them. Yeah. What was the hardest yeah. part writing about the girls instead of the boys? Oh, I think I, I, that the girls that I was writing about are tomboys, that, that they are... Um, you know the, the ones who, who want to get out there and 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 muck about and aren't too worried about fancy things. Yeah. So um, although I did have to change one of the words in their title because I think I had that the, they were the pretty wonderful magnificent and um, got pointed out to me that I shouldn't be calling them pretty. That, that it should be a, a different describing word other than pretty. So oh, i in and changed that. And um, got feedback from some girls at a school that a mate's teaching at, and they said, yeah, it's a good change, that, that pretty shouldn't be put in there. Yeah. Good, because I, mean, I, think, I think you're right to change it, because I think... Putting in pretty, it it doesn't sound like like a female has written the story, if you know what I mean. Oh, and and I, I, like I, I'm not going to call the the fearless for handsome boys. Exactly. It, 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 yeah, so that, that had to change, but yeah, um, yeah the the two stories have come out okay, I think, and and I know that. Um, my great niece thoroughly enjoys them because she's one of the heroes, and yeah, she she likes the story. Good. Okay, I've got one more question. Um, oh yeah, have you read anything that made you think differently about fiction? 
Mm. I suppose you could change um, change your mind about books, I suppose, as well. Oh, then I would say um, reading a book and then seeing the movie adaptation and, yeah. and looking at it going, no, the, the book is better than the movie. Yeah. So when that is based upon, um, they make a few changes and not necessarily for the better, but it's what works for them. And, of course, when you read a book, you always picture the characters in your mind of what you think they look like. Even if there is descriptions, you have that description in your head. And then when you see a movie... A lot of times I find myself saying, that's not what she looked like, or he wouldn't all look like that. Yeah. Um, I love reading Stephen King. I did not read his Gunslinger series. And when they made the movie, I went to see the movie, and I thought it was okay, but... Um, lots of people, lots and lots of people wrote and said, no, 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 shouldn't, shouldn't have been made into a movie, just, just not right. Yeah. So they, yeah, they read the book and then watched the movie and had their hopes dashed. It wasn't what they wanted it to be. Yeah. It's, I mean, there is, there's some books that I, I think just can't be made into movies at least can't be made into good movies, especially books where somebody does a lot of thinking and stuff. Oh, we um, thoroughly enjoyed Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy as an audio book, and um, it's read by Stephen Fry. Yeah. And and his voice is just brilliant. Yes. His reading, you know, makes you really involved in the story. Yeah, I've got, um, I've got several of the uh, Harry Potter books read by him. Yes. Um, he's very good. Yes. Yeah. No. Um, yeah. So. Um, there are some things that will change my mind from fiction books, and, and usually it's about the um, movies that they make of the book series. Yeah. And and how, like you said, I've got this picture of what it looks like in my head, and when the character appears on the screen, it's not the same. Yeah, that's very frustrating, isn't it? Um, and I'll give you an example. There is um, uh, a CIA agent, Mitch Rapp. I don't know if you've read any of his stories. No. But um, <clears throat> he writes a good adventure story that keeps you involved. But um, sadly, he passed away. And um, the widow approached another author and said, would you mind 
um, he's got books that he started but not quite finished, would you mind writing the books? And um, it's been a seamless changeover that, that from, from the previous author to the new one, the books remain the same. <laughs> so if you enjoyed his books before, you're still enjoying them. Oh, that's good because a lot of the times it, it just doesn't work as far as the ones I've tried anyway. No, I know um, Michael Crichton had some books that were brought out after he passed away and I, I'm looking at it going, no, this, this, this is not right. Yeah. It, 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 it was a chore to read the pages. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I don't know about that. Yeah, I'd, I'd rather they didn't do it. Um, this, I've read a few books of, of authors uh, who have passed away and then someone's brought out a book writing in that person's style, they always claim or something, but yes. uh, very rarely is it just a do justice to the original writer. No, they, they have their own technique and their own way of writing. Um, yeah, probably just better, better to let it go. Yeah, for sure. Okay, um, that's the questions. So right about now, I guess I'd, I'll put in the, um, the last bit of the book. The message that the aliens sent was that all of the people on the planet were to be transported back to their home planet as slaves. After arrival, people from planet Earth were expected to dig in mines for precious metals. The United Nations Secretary General sadly told all the people of the planet that they could not be protected because they had destroyed all the weapons of mass destruction, so they had nothing to fight the aliens with. Planet Earth was not prepared for the invasion. He told all the people on Earth to spend as much time with their families as they could. The boys were all around at Thomas's place, watching it on the TV. Zack kicked the ginger beer bottle as hard as he could, but all that achieved was getting a sore toe. Tricked again, moaned Josh. We have to make a choice. Send away the aliens and hope that no more aliens come or get all our weapons back and fight them. Cameron said, I've been reading up on our Mr. Jin. If we use our last wish, we will be letting the genie out of the bottle. He will be free to rule over us, and there would be nothing or no one powerful enough to stop him. He would be unbeatable. They heard a loud, sinister snickering from the bottle. Thomas said, I wish we had more wishes. Cameron reminded him that the genie had only given us three wishes. He said, maybe we could have wished for more wishes. After all, we just took his word for it and he hasn't been very honest. Josh wondered, what if we wish for the bottle and everything in it to be destroyed? Or could we wish for the stopper in the bottle to be permanently glued in place so Mr. Jin could never get out of the bottle again, said Cameron. 
Now the boys were talking excitedly about what they could do with the last wish. Zack and Thomas suggested that they use the last wish to take away his powers that, so that he would be a slave like the humans. The laughter from inside the bottle suddenly stopped. Now there was a knocking sound coming from inside the bottle. All, said Zack, we could wish for the genie to turn himself into a statue. After all, he did say, your wish is my command. Josh laughed and said, we could write something about it. In fact, I have the perfect suggestion for what we could write on a plaque to put up in front of the statue. Please feel free to have a pee. For good fortune and money, nice food and honey on the stone you see. Thomas gave Josh a fist pump. Paying attention when we were learning limericks in class. Nice job. The genie could stand it no longer. He forced his way past the stopper and the boys watched in amusement as the bottle spun around in circles and Mr. Jin exited the bottle in a bit of a daze. Mr. Jin stood at his full height, red-faced with anger and thundered, You would not dare! Cameron laughed and said, Dude, we are four young boys who sit around and laugh at who farts allowed us. Of course we would dare. Thomas said, We only have one more wish left. Get the aliens to leave, get back all the weapons, or turn you into a statue. I'm not sure what the other boys are thinking, but I'm voting with our last wish to turn you into a statue. Thomas looked at Josh and Zach, who both said, Statue! Cameron said, OK, statue it is. I wish for Mr. Jin to... Wait! shouted Mr. Jin. Zach said, Of course, how foolish we have been. We can't turn you into a statue without knowing what colour statue you'd like to be. Mr. Jin said, no, 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 no statue, no plaque, and definitely no pee. Cameron said, but we only have one wish left. Mr. Jin's shoulders dropped. He said, I might have a solution. He turned to Cameron and said, you could use your last wish to take you back to where you found me. Your houses will be repaired There'll be no alien ships and your countries will get all their weapons back. I'll be back in my bottle and you'll be in the hole in the cave and you won't pull the bottle out of the dirt. Zack said, Or we could turn you into a stone with Josh's great limerick written on it. Mr. Jin said, Please don't. Thomas asked, How do we know that this just isn't another horrible trick that you are going to play on us? Mr. Jin pleaded again, Please don't. Cameron said, I wish for all the things you said to happen. Mr. Jin clicked his fingers and the boys found themselves standing in a hole in the cave. Cameron was holding the bottle with Mr. Jin standing in front of the bottle. Mr. Jin said, Your houses are repaired, your planets, weapons are back and there are no more aliens. Cameron said, And you are back in the bottle and quickly pushed a stopper in behind the genie and the bottle back into the dirt. The boys climbed out of the hole and made their way out of the mine. They pulled the raspberry bushes across the entrance. Thomas said, I hope no one else finds a bottle for a very long time. As they headed back home, Josh said, That was a great adventure. No fortune, but better than watching TV. Cameron said, Sure, we could have all been turned into slaves for aliens or used as a food product, he shivered. Zack said, at one stage we did have a quarter of a million dollars, at least for a few minutes. He thought for a bit and said, 
We should have a name for our group. Maybe we could be the Fantastic Four. Thomas said, um, no, I'm pretty sure that name is trademarked by Marvel. Cameron suggested, how about the Famous Four? Thomas said, probably too close to the Enid Blyton characters. Zach asked, who are they? Thomas started to say, they're from a book, but Zach had lost interest because it involved reading. Thomas suggested, how about we call ourselves the Fearless Four? The boys tried it out, the Fearless Four, and they liked the sound of it. As they continued to walk home, Thomas asked aloud, I wonder what other kinds of adventures the Fearless Falls will have. Zack looked at the book that Thomas was holding in his hands. He asked if it was a book about the mysterious bottle. Thomas responded, No, not really. It is our first story, but I have put in some pictures of what we look like in some of our other adventures. Other adventures? Cameron asked. Joss asked, Where did you get that photo of me standing with the cricket bat? Thomas said, In one adventure we get hold of a portal gun and we use it to jump in and out of adventures. I took some photos of some of the things we did. The other boys jumped on Thomas, demanding to know what had happened in the other Fearless Four adventures, but Thomas could only tell them where the pictures came from. He told them that as soon as the portal gun had disappeared, so did his memory of what had happened on their adventure. The boys all punched Thomas on the arm. Oh, said Thomas. What was that for? Cameron said, if we're a team, then we work together. We don't go off by ourselves and we stick together. Josh and Zach both nodded. Thomas said, you are right. We need to stay together and look after each other. Now, who wants to see their picture? The first picture is of me and I'm looking pretty heroic, which is my normal self in most of our stories, I hope, continued Thomas. The other boys snorted with laughter. Thomas protested, I can be heroic. This was a picture of me in book eight when we battle shadows. Thomas put down a picture of Josh who was standing with a cricket bat. He said, I'm pretty sure I can guess this one. We are playing a game of cricket? Thomas answered, yes, but I can't remember who against. I'm pretty sure it is book six. Cameron asked, I am looking pretty happy in my picture. What have we just done? Thomas said, I can't remember. I seem to think it had something to do with learning a lesson. Zach protested, but I look like I am scared. Where is my toughness and courage? The other boys shrugged their shoulders and Thomas said, this was the story where you meet your wardrobe monster in book number 17. You were pretty scared. And of course we all were with that nasty claw coming out of the cupboard. Josh said, I'm sure there will be other pictures of you in some of the other stories where you'll be braver. After all, you're the one who said we were the fearless four and not the timid three. The end of the mysterious bottle. Excellent. Um... So is there anything you want to say at the end of the book? No. Um, we just hope that those people who listened enjoyed it and and are looking forward to some more of the audiobooks in the airwaves. 
yeah. one way or another. Yeah. Um, and you've read the story all the way through. So um, is there anything that you would have changed with the ending? To the ending? Um, nah, I really like the ending. Yes. Without, um, well, by the time people hear this bit, they would have heard the end of the book. Um, so we can save the spoilers. Uh, I really like the, the way that the story sort of ends, but then the story continues when Thomas talks about the photos and uh, upcoming adventures and and things. Yes. Uh, really like that. Oh, that's unfortunate because I've changed it in the in the new new edition. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> I've got those bits out because I thought. As I'm writing it and thinking, how did he get the book? Like, I can talk about the adventures, but how did Thomas get the book? Oh, so I, yeah. I've, I've pretty much finished it off. I'll, I'll send you um, the new last pages, and, and, and you might not choose to do two alternate endings. Okay. What people. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that, that does make uh, sense. Where did he get the book from? Yeah, I, that never occurred to yeah. me. Well, um, there's one book I've written about um, where they fight some trolls uh, with the support of angels. And um, the angels have golden daggers, which is what they used to fight the trolls. And um, Thomas is, is always coming to school late. He's always tired. Um, he can't work out why. And then um, he wakes up one morning and pinned against the wall is the angel with a golden dagger through one of his wings. And later through the book, I've said that only the angels can pick up the golden daggers. Uh, so I've gone, well, Thomas can't have stabbed it into the wall because he can't pick up one of the daggers. Yeah. So um, I'm going to have to go through and say and... and um, a staple, Thomas has used a staple gun to, to staple it to the wall. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you've got and to be careful of things like that. Have the uh, dagger on the ground and then, you know, uh, that goes to pick it up and, and, and won't move for him. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. So, so, yes. That I will, I will send you off a, a copy of the, the new ending. So oh, good. <laughs> you, you have a look at them and, and you might decide to put both of them in. Yeah, why not? Okay. Thank you, Peter. Thank you, Neil. Yep. Brilliant. We'll go and organise your runners. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All and, right. And we have.
Hopefully the ceiling better. Yeah. Oh, she's lying in bed, sleeping now, so, yeah, yeah. fingers crossed. Yeah. yeah. All right, you no, take care, too. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Peter. No worries. See you later. Bye.